Okay. Um, so it's nice to have everyone here and especially to have Steve because Steve is the really the originator of this class and he's on his way back from Peoria. So he's got my uh, undivided attention and or well, I've got his undivided attention because he's on the he's on the road. Uh, but it's nice to have Debbie back and Marty and Mona. It's good to to see everyone. And as you know, we are coming up very quickly to Rosh Hashanah. And so, so what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about Rosh Hashanah today, as well as uh, as this week's uh, Torah portion. So. Uh, let's just start like I've always done, just by telling you a little bit about this week's, uh, uh, let me just, um, mute. oh, there's, okay. So let's just start, first of all, by just giving you a little bit of a summary of this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is called Kisavo, or Kisavoy, and it's the continuation of Moshe Rabbeinu's speech to the Jewish people as they're about to go into Israel. And the uh, central feature of this week's Torah portion is a set of blessings and curses, similar to uh, in the first four books, there was another set of, of blessings and curses, blessings for keeping the Torah, curses for not keeping the Torah. And the rabbis say they the way that they arrange the the cycle of the the Torah readings. We always read this week's Torah portion before Rosh Hashanah. We make sure that we always read it before Rosh Hashanah, and they say the reason is because we want to get all the curses out of the way. We don't want any curses to be left over, you know, for the new year. We want all the curses to be to be done with. And um, unfortunately, uh, the Jewish people, and I would, you know, say the, you know, the world in general, but particularly the Jewish people, we've had a very, very difficult year this year. There have been some real, you know, tragedies, but not just tragedies, tragedies that are uh, very unusual, things that you know, have never happened before, you know, starting with the, the terrible stampede, you know, in Moron that killed uh, a lot of people that were there for a very holy reason, you know, and, and very, very, very sad. I know people personally who were there. I know two people who survived that one of them was pulled out of the, the pile of people and, and lost his shirt, literally. Um, because he was so, you know, squeezed in, he was he's lucky to be alive. And then, of course, the terrible thing in Surfside, um, where it, you go to sleep at night, and and who would ever imagine in in you know wildest imagination that a, a building would just collapse in this country? You know, um, uh, I think I might have mentioned to you then when I was in the Ukraine, uh, there was a another tragedy where three young uh, yeshiva bachram 
died in a plane crash, and one of them was a, a chassan. He was engaged to be married. Uh, and then most recently, this last week, I mentioned I mentioned on last week's class, and I was a little shaken up because it actually happened that day or the night before. Uh, there was this terrible murder of a, a young yeshiva boy in Denver. And just totally, totally random. There was there was a crime spree that took part took place in different parts of the city, and they came to this yeshiva and uh, and they killed this young boy. But what made it very, very sad? I mean, it's always sad. It's always sad uh, when any Jew dies. Uh, but what made it particularly sad was that my son, actually two of my sons, but my youngest son knew him very well, knew him from camp. And uh, and had been at camp with him, I think, for a number of years, and was in camp with him this past summer. And he told me that he was the last person he said goodbye to when he left camp. So my son actually went to the funeral that night. He was in Cleveland. I mean, he was in Chicago. The family's from Cleveland, but the funeral was actually in Lakewood, New Jersey. And so my son went with two other boys. They you know they got permission from the you know, the Rosh Hashiva and they went and the, the funeral was like one o'clock in the morning, you know, um, in Lakewood, both sets of grandparents alive, you know, hundreds of young boys like my son, just, you know, very, and I think that one of the brothers of this boy was having his bar mitzvah, either that Shabbos or this Shabbos, you know, so the, you know, the, the pain and the, and the sadness is almost too overwhelming to even, to even think about um, and so that's why the rabbis say, let's read this week's Torah portion this week and get rid of all of these terrible things and have only blessing in our, in our lives. And there's certainly be certainly lots to be, to be grateful for. And there is lots of blessing in our lives. When these things happen, it sometimes clouds that and makes it hard for us. So, um, what I do want to share with you is, uh, a couple of thoughts about this week's Torah portion, and hopefully it'll get us into the Rosh Hashanah mood. You know, uh, you all know I was a rugby player and I played, I didn't play really professionally, but I did play at a very high level. When you play rugby or play any sport at a high level, you can't just run on the field, run on the court without preparation. And the bigger the occasion the bigger the occasion, the more preparation you need. If you're playing in a, in a final for the gold medal, you're going to spend a lot of time thinking about the game as opposed to just a pickup game that you, know, that you are you know, playing on a regular basis. So the way we should look at Rosh Hashanah, which is coming up in 10 days' time, is that this is much more important than anything we've ever done in our lives. We literally are asking God to give us one more year of life. It's like a job interview. So if 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 you were going to if you were going for a new job, you I mean think about think about a job interview that you've had, or think about advice that you would give your your children if they were going to their you know a job interview. So you would tell them to prepare. You would tell them to find out about the company and find out you know, what the job entails and what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and you would spend some time thinking about it. You wouldn't just say, oh, you know what, uh, keep, 
enjoy your time at the beach and enjoy your time, you know, traveling. And, you know, if you turn up at the interview five minutes before, that's fine. You would never do such a thing. But this is, what about a court case? Let's say you're preparing a court case. You had to defend yourself. You might, you were, your company was on the line to, you know, lose you know, millions of dollars. You would prepare. You would get a whole team of lawyers and you would discuss it and you would plan and you would go into the court case very, very well prepared. And that's what we're basically doing. We're basically going in front of Hashem and we are, he's conducting a job interview. Why should it be that Zev Khan should have another year of life in this world? What, what am I going to do in this next year that warrants him giving me another year of life? Because there are lots of people who did not get another year of life this past year. You know, people that were good, good people that did lots of great things. So we've got to find some time between now and Monday, September the 6th to take a walk somewhere, you know, go if you're in Chicago, go for a walk along Lake Michigan, uh, as long as the weather's not, you know, too hot, and too humid, um, and and spend some time thinking about what are you going to contribute to the world this year? Now, I don't want to, uh, I think Marty was the one that uh, wanted me to give like a uh, Shabbos Shuva Drasha. You know, there's a famous uh, Drasha. Drasha means a, like a sermon that rabbi of any shul gives between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Now, I'm not a rabbi of a shul, and I don't feel qualified to necessarily give a Shabbat Shuvah uh, But um, I do think I'm speaking to people who've been on my, in my class for uh, a long time that this is something you want to hear. You want, you want to hear, how do I prepare for Rosh Hashanah? Now, uh, we can talk a little bit about what actually happens on Rosh Hashanah itself. Maybe we'll do that next week. Um, but there is a slight possibility I might not be here next Wednesday. I will keep you updated in real time, but uh, I'll, I'll try to touch on that a little bit before, before we end. But uh, getting back to the Torah portion, I'm going to read you a section from this week's Torah portion, and I want one of you or more of you to tell me where you recognize this passage from. When was the last time you heard these words. So I mentioned to you that the main section in this week's Torah portion is uh, the blessings and the curses. That's towards the middle of the, the Torah portion. At the beginning of the Torah portion, it talks about a very fascinating ceremony that takes place called the bringing of Bikurim. Bikurim is the first fruits. So uh, at every harvest, there's a point in time when the, you know, the fruits are gathered, the, the produce is gathered, and the Torah requires that the very first fruits that come out, you have to take them to Jerusalem in a basket and present it to the Kohen. Because the Kohen doesn't have property. He doesn't have vineyards and orchards and uh, wheat fields. So you take the very best and you give it to him, which is uh, interesting in and of itself, because we would be inclined 
we would be inclined to keep the best for ourselves, right? When you produce something and uh, you want to give something away, you'll say, I'll give, I'll give something away, but I'm not going to give them my best. I'm not going to give the very first fruits. That, that's mine. So the message is that none of it is ours. All of it is Hashem's. He gives us everything. But in exchange for giving us everything, he asks us to give us something back in return. And he wants us to give us the very best. And, and that takes hard work. You know, um, uh, I, I sometimes think about this when we have Shabbos. And I'll go shopping and I'll buy, you know, uh, cookies or cake. Uh, and I'll and I'll think to myself, you know what, these cookies I really, really like. I'm going to keep these ones for myself, and I'll give these other ones to our guests. They're not going to mind having whichever cookies, you know, I give them. And then I catch myself, and I say to myself, I'm going to give them the best cookies. I'll have the ones that are not so good. I'll give them the, the best ones. So that's something to, to think about. So here's the, here's the passage. Uh, I'll tell you when you should start paying attention. But basically, the, the Torah portion starts off, it says, when you enter the land that God gives you and you bring the first of every fruit of the ground that you bring from your land, you put it in a basket, you go to your shalim, and you come to the Kohen and you make the following declaration. And this is where I want you to tell me where you've heard this before. Then you shall call out and say before Hashem, your God, an Aramean tried to destroy my forefather. He descended to Egypt. He sojourned there few in number. He became a nation, great, strong, and numerous. The Egyptians did evil to us, afflicted us, placed hard work upon us. Then we cried out to Hashem, the God of our forefathers. Hashem heard our voice and saw our affliction, our travail, and our oppression. Hashem took us out of Egypt with a strong hand, with an outstretched arm, with great awesomeness, with signs and with wonders. He brought us to this place. He gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. All right. So do any of you know where that passage, when was the last time you heard that particular passage? Okay, so Lou's got his hand up. I want to know if there's any... If there, uh, Lou's going to give me an answer in 10 seconds, but I want the rest of you to think about it just for a, a minute and tell me if you agreed with, uh, with Lou. Okay. So Lou, where did you hear that passage last? At the uh, Pesach Seder. Fantastic. All right. You got, you win the cookie. You win the, you win the cookies. Okay. Did anyone else, Steve, did you think, did you, th did you, did you think of the same answer that Lou gave, or anyone else, Mona? Or I, I, I did. I did not think of it. Um, so Lou's, Lou's the champion at that. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about uh, Debbie? And you? Saw, did you remember I that? I definitely Mom? thought of that. You did. Okay. What, Mona? I what was... about you? Okay, wait. She's on mute. I'm gonna ask her mute. Debbie, what about you? Uh, I feel like it comes up also a little earlier in Deuteronomy that Moses is again just trying to tell us in so many ways we have to remember this, we have to tell our children. Yes, I think yes. The priestly blessing and a few and the the Shema is introduced in the Torah. Yes. 
also this, just always going back to this cornerstone story of when all of us realized, wow, Hashem, and then, wow, Mount Sinai and all these things, you know, happening. The, the, the Excellent. Okay. Um, uh, there's Mona. So, Mona, did you, did you recognize the passage? Yes, I started to just say, excuse me, that I'm, my little granddaughter is sitting next to me and I oh. whispered to her, is from the Haggadah. Oh, she whispered to you. Okay, fantastic. Wow, she she's got a good education. She didn't whisper to me, I whispered to her. Oh, you told she her. Knew it too. She knew it too. Okay. All right, so you're all on the board now. Okay, so I'm just going to mute everyone again. Marty, did you recognize it? Uh, Marty's not there. Okay, so um, uh, the question is, and then we're going to move on, but this is something you can think about. Why is it that we read from this passage, which is all the way in Deuteronomy, Devarim, right at the end of the Torah, why don't we just take the section about uh, going down to Egypt and all the travails there and the miracles and coming out. Why don't we take it directly from the book of Exodus, the book of Shmois that, that tells it in as it happened. Why do we have to wait all the way from uh, Devarim to, uh, to read that passage? Now, I'm not going to answer that question. Maybe if we have time at the end, we'll, I'll, I'll, ask, I'll, I'll give you an answer. But what, what I do want to tell you is, is this that this passage that we read has got a lot to do with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and this period of time that we're in right now. We're in the month of Elul, the month of Elul, which is the lead up towards uh, Rosh Hashanah. And we're starting to say Slichos, the, the prayers, special prayers next, next week, starting Saturday night. Um, to start getting us ready. But one of the ways we get ready is by looking at this, at this Torah portion. So what is very interesting is that the word that is used for this declaration that is made, there's, an, there's one additional part, there's one additional piece of the declaration uh, that I'll just read out to you. Uh, let me just get to it. Um, uh, and uh, just give me one second. I get the exact words. Uh, okay. So it says, after we've made this declaration, this is now chapter 26, verse 12. Um, you want to turn your camera on? Yeah. Okay. When chapter 26, verse 12, it says um, the following. When you finish tithing every tithe of your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, to the widow, they shall eat it in your city. Then you shall say before Hashem, I've removed the holy things from the house. I've also given it to the Levite, to the proselyte, to the orphan, to the widow. You, I have not transgressed any of your commandments, and I have not forgotten. And uh, I've acted according to everything that you commanded me 
hearken to your voice. Um, so this whole declaration, this whole declaration is called uh, Vidui Maisa. It's called a confession of the tithes. So what it is, is a person comes to Jerusalem and he has to declare in front of the coin that all the tithes that he, that, he, that he was supposed to give during the year, he has given. But it's not called a declaration. It's called a video. It's called a confession. You've heard the word vidui before, right? Vidui is the Hebrew word for, for confession. Um, so what's interesting, I'm going to give you an insight into what a confession really is. The same word for confession, vidui, is very similar to the word. What do you say when somebody gives you something? How do you respond in Hebrew first or in English? English, you'll say thank you. What's the Hebrew word for thank you? There you go. What about when you wake up in the morning? When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you say when you wake up in the morning is? Thank you for giving me another day of life. Um, all right, so I'm just muting you. Okay, so it's the same word for confession and giving thanks. They have the same root. Vidui and Modea have the same root. So the connection between the two is as follows. Whenever you say thank you to someone, somebody gives you something. They give you a, you know, uh, you ask them to get some milk from the grocery. They drop it off. You say, thank you. You go to the dentist. He full, fills your filling in. You say, thank you. Anybody gives you something, you say, thank you. Now, uh, you could think that what is a thank you? A thank you is a repayment of sorts for what the person did for you. Right? He does something for you. You say, thank you. If somebody gives you a gift and doesn't expect you to pay for it, you say, thank you. It's like you giving him something back. Uh, but the, the, the fact that the word mode is connected to the word confess, to say thank you is connected to the word confess, teaches us a much deeper idea that whenever you say thank you to someone, what you really are doing is you're confessing to them. You're confessing to them that you are lacking something and they have filled that lack. They have given you something that you needed. So when somebody gives you a gift, I, I did not have something and you gave it to me and I'm admitting to you that I need you. So that's just an interesting way of thinking about our lives when people give us certain things. Now, obviously, we're going to now talk about our attitude and how we should thank Hashem for everything. Uh, and when we say thank you to Hashem for anything that we have. What we're really doing is we're confessing that we need him for everything. We confess that we need him for our lives, for the ways our, our body works. I just went to have my annual physical yesterday and I'm waiting for the results. But uh, when you go to your doctor for your annual physical, you think to yourself how fortunate you are that you are healthy, that 
that all the things in your body work as well as they do. But it's not just that. It's it's when a plane takes off and and lands. When you know when you go to when I when I went to Ukraine and I came back to this country, I'm very very grateful that I live in this country and all the things that I have. I have a vaccine. I I was able to take my car to get an emission test. You know, just drove down the road and they they do that for me for free. You know, there's a lot to be thankful that I live in this country, but I'm not thankful to the people in the, I am thankful to the people in this country, but I'm mostly thankful to Hashem for all these things. So why is it, what are we doing exactly when we come to Rosh Hashanah and we come to Yom Kippur? What we're doing is we're thinking to ourselves, we're thinking to ourselves of all the great things that Hashem has done for us. So how could we be ungrateful? How can we not say thank you? How can we not appreciate all the things that he gives us? You know, now, if you speak to a child, and you, I think my parents always used to teach, I'm glad they taught me this. Somebody, when I was given something, they would say, what do you say? You know, thank you. You know, I was always encouraged to say thank you. Part of the reason is we live our lives, we're so busy, we don't stop to think. I'm not talking about the things that are obvious that are given to us. I once went to a, uh, a Shabbat in, in Lakewood, and the rabbi, right at the end of the Shabbat, he said, I'm giving you a piece of advice. Get a notebook, and every morning when you wake up, write down one thing that you're grateful for, or two things. But not just the same things. I'm grateful for my health, and I'm grateful for the sunrise, and I'm grateful for my family. You know, think about things that... Like, for example, did you thank Hashem this morning when you woke up that you're not a paraplegic? Now, I'm guessing, I don't think I did. But, you know, the Paralympics are taking place right now. All those athletes that are competing have lost a limb, you know, have, have got some severe you know, disability, or I don't like using the word disability. I, I, I saw a video, a differability. They're just different. They don't have something that we have. So when you watch the Paralympics, you should be thanking yourself every single second that 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 you have a, a whole body, you know. So those are the kinds of things. It's 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 90 degrees outside. It's really hot and humid outside. I'm very, very grateful that I'm inside and I've got air conditioning. You know, 100 years ago, there was no, you didn't have air conditioning like we have today. So now, this last, and then I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop after this and then take some questions because um, I know all of you got lots of questions for me. But this last Shabbat, I was also very fortunate that there was a rabbi that came to Chicago from Cleveland. His name is Rabbi Yisrael Brog. He lives in Wycliffe, and he has a yeshiva over there for a small yeshiva for young boys. But he also gives classes on Torah anytime. Uh, I don't know if any of you have heard of this this website. They've now got an app, but one of the most popular websites that has come out. Uh, in the recent years is a website called TorahAnytime.com. He's one of the most popular speakers. His grandfather 
was Rabbi Victor Miller, who emphasized over and over again how grateful we should be. And he was speaking about Elul. He was speaking about the month of Elul. And he said that this is not a month, the month before Rosh Hashanah, it's not a month to be uh, fearful and afraid of what's coming up on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, the, the, the work that we're supposed to do is to realize that Hashem loves us so much and all he wants is to have a relationship with us. He wants us to reach out to him and to ask him for whatever we want and whatever we need. And he's ready and he's certainly able to give us every single thing that we need. Not necessarily everything we want. Sometimes we want things that we don't need. But everything that we need. And we think that, you know, it's, Hashem's busy doing so many things. He doesn't have time for my small little requests. You know, but one of the jobs we should be thinking about between now and Rosh Hashanah, what are the things that we really need? And ask, we should ask Hashem for them. We don't, we, I tell my students all the time that if you're going to go to Shul and Rosh Hashanah and you are not going to enjoy it because you don't understand the Hebrew or it's too long, you don't like the choir singing or uh, people are talking in Shul. If it's not going to be a positive experience, what would be a much better use of your time is to stay at home, go for a walk in a park, and think to yourself, what are the things that I need? Not just me, you know, uh, what, do, what do my family need? What does my community need? What does this country need? What does Israel need? What do the Jews need? What does this world need? You know, and you think about all those things, and then you ask Hashem for them. You are, you say to Hashem, I recognize that, and I confess, and I recognize that you are the source of everything, and if I need anything, you are the person to come, not person, you are the one to come to. Um, and again, I, we're not talking about how religious you are, whether you keep kosher, whether you keep Shabbos, but when we go through a year that we've just gone through, and we are going through right now with COVID, with all the, the you know, the variants and uh, everything, you know, every week things change. Um, we should realize that, that there is so much that we need and we need it from Hashem. So that's, that's my message to me. I'm talking to myself. I'm trying to get, that's why I love this class is it helps me prepare myself for, you know, for Rosh Hashanah. So I'm going to leave you with one question to think about. I, those of you who've had classes from me before uh, will have heard this question. Uh, and the question is as follows. I'm not going to answer it now. I'll, we'll do it next week. The question is, why does Rosh Hashanah come before Yom Kippur? So let me explain the question. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, uh, we, we had started before Hashanah last year, so I'm sure I asked this question. So I'm, I'm not going to ask Steve or Marty or Lou to give me the answer that I gave them last year. I'm just going to ask the question again, and we'll discuss it next week. So Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment. We get judged, like I said, it's a job interview. What are we going to do with our lives next year? Then we spend a week doing Teshuvah and thinking about all the things we did wrong. 
and we come to Yom Kippur and we confess all the things we did wrong. And we say, we're really sorry. We're going to be much better this year. Uh, and, and we spend the day fasting and, and confessing all the things we did wrong. Now, if, like I said, that Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment and it's like going to, for a job interview, then wouldn't it have made more sense to have confessed all the things we did wrong and, and felt bad about all the things we did wrong before the judgment or the verdict gets delivered? We should rather have confessed on Yom Kippur, spent a week, you know, thinking about that. And then when we come to Rosh Hashanah, we can say, Hashem, you're in charge, you're the king, and I'm asking you for, for another year of life. So I'm going to answer that question next week. I want you, I don't want you to have sleepless nights because you need to have your rest before Rosh Hashanah. Uh, but you can ask your friends this question. Ask one person this question. Why does Rosh Hashanah come before Yom Kippur? Why does the judgment take place before the confession? If a judge was judging someone and you're going into a court case, the judge is going to say, okay, why should I give you a lenient sentence? What do you have to say in your defense? And you're going to say, you know, I'm really sorry. I feel bad. I didn't mean to do it. I wasn't thinking at the time, you know, I, uh, I let my, you know, uh, my emotions get the better of me. My desires get the better of me. And I feel really bad. And, the, and you're crying and you and you're feeling really bad about it. the judge is going to say, you know what? I was really going to give you a, a tougher sentence, but I can see how sincere you are. And I'm going to give you a lenient sentence. That's really the process that we are going through, except we're doing it in reverse. I want to know why is it? Why is it that? Oh, you know what? I'll t in fact, I'll ask one more question just in case you don't have enough to think about between now and next week. I mentioned to you that everything gets decided on Rosh Hashanah. How wealthy we're going to be, how healthy we're going to be. Everything is decided on Rosh Hashanah. The only thing is that we don't ask Hashem for anything on Rosh Hashanah. We don't ask Him for health and wealth and that the Jews should be safe and that you know, our family should be safe. We don't ask of that on Rosh Hashanah. All we do on Rosh Hashanah is we say Hashem is king we blow the shofar and that's it. And then for the rest of the year, every day of the year, except for Shabbos and Yontav, we ask Hashem for everything. We ask Him for our health and for money and for understanding and, you know, uh, that the world should be in a better place. So the second question I'm asking is, shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't we be asking Hashem for everything on Rosh Hashanah? Because that's what, when everything gets decided. And the rest of the year, we tell Hashem, you're the king and you're in charge because it's already been decided on Rosh Hashanah. What's the point of asking him when it's already been decided? If I know what my, if my boss tells me, okay, here's your salary for the year. Every year we have a salary evaluation and I tell you what your salary is going to be for the year. What do you have to say? Why, why should I give you a better salary? Why should I, you know, what exactly do you need? So then I'm going to tell him, look, I just bought a house. My mortgage has gone up. I just, you know, my car broke down. I need a new car. My children are going to college. I need this amount. I need that amount. My grandmother's not feeling well. I, I, I need to take care of her. These are all the things that I need. And then he'll decide, okay, this is what I'm going to give you. Whatever your salary is, I'm going to give you. Um, but you're not going to go into your boss every day of the week, every day of the year, say, oh, you know what? I, I need this salary. I need that salary. I need, I need you to give me this 
amount. We, we, we've already, it's already been decided. So why is it that every day of the year we ask Hashem for things and on Rosh Hashanah when everything gets decided what we're going to get, we don't ask Him for anything at all. So uh, with that, I'm going to stop the recording, which just wish the people who are listening to the recording a good Shabbos. And, uh, and now I'm going to take questions from everyone.